Welcome to the Do Life Better podcast, where we believe that you get to create who you are being and who you become. And it's often the smallest changes and actions that make the biggest difference. Each week, your host, Dave Jorner, will bring you the best guests, tips and messages to inspire and help you to do life even better. Thanks for joining us today. Now let's get started. Hi everyone and thank you for letting me join you today. That's right, thank you for letting me join you. You know, Whether you are on your way to or from work, school or uni or if you're out there going for your morning run or doing your workout in the gym or you're at home doing some chores or whatever, thank you for letting me be part of your day today. Now lately I've been hearing some wonderful feedback about the podcast which I'm incredibly grateful for. And I'd like to share with you the review for the week. And this one comes from Glay99, who says, Self-help, well done. Absolutely inspirational and motivational stuff. Relevant topics for today, full of vulnerable life sharings, pro tips and tricks, life hacks, developing a positive and growth mindset, and just being the best version of yourself today. Easy to understand bite-sized chunks, which anyone can implement immediately after listening. Favorite take home, life is full of choices each and every day. We have the power to create the outcomes we see and make a better day for ourselves. So, Glay99, thank you very much. And of course, if you would like to be the fan of the week, if you'd like to have a shout out, please do leave a rating and a review over on iTunes or whatever app you're using to listen to this right now. And if you could please take a screenshot of this episode and share it in Instagram or Facebook and tag me at Dave Jorna, that's D-A-V-E-J-O-R-N-A, or at Do Life Better Podcast. Um, that'd be fantastic. I'd love to see what you're doing when you're out there listening to these episodes. Now, I'm really excited about bringing you today's episode. Uh, in fact, I've moved it forward just for you because I'm really excited about this one. Uh, and before we get into it, okay, have you ever tried showing someone how important they are to you, but it just doesn't seem to work? Or have you ever found yourself wondering if your partner, family and friends really do love you and care for you as much as you'd like because you're just not feeling it or you're just not seeing the signs? They're not doing the things that you think are signs of love. Well, what if they have been showing you, but you've been missing it? And what if your attempts to show others love hasn't been working the way you want it because maybe they've been missing it? Well, today's guest has the answer. Dr. Gary Chapman is the author of The Five Love Languages, which has been a number one New York Times bestseller for eight years running. That's right, eight years straight. In fact, it's selling more copies each successive year. Through his work, Dr. Gary Chapman has helped millions of people restore marriages, families, and relationships across the world by helping them understand the different ways love is expressed and received. So... I hope you find lots of answers and inspiration in this chat with Dr. Gary Chapman. Dr. Gary Chapman, thank you very much for joining me today on this episode of Do Life Better Podcast. Thank you. Well, I'm glad to be with you, Dave. It's an absolute pleasure. I was was first uh, introduced to the five love languages many years ago by a good friend of mine, Chrissy, and ever since then, it's really resonated with me. Uh, quite deeply in terms of figuring out who I am and what's important to me. Uh, And then also understanding more clearly my wife, 
uh, my family and the people around me. So it's had a profound impact on me and um, hopefully on my loved ones as well and my ability to express love to them too. So on a personal note, thank you very much for your work. Um, now, well, I, I'm glad to hear it. Thank you. And I believe you've sold 11 million copies of the Five Love Actually, Languages. Actually, now it's 12 million copies in English wow. and it's been translated into 50 languages around the world. 50 languages. Which absolutely blows my mind. <laughs> that is huge. And, well, I've been wanting to ask you, um, just with that, is there a moment that is the most fulfilling for you? Is there a moment that's created a tremendous amount of pride for you in terms of your work? Like, was it the moment when you discovered it? Uh, is it knowing about the 12 million books sold and the 50 languages, or is it the individual stories of difference that you've made for people? You know, it's really the latter. When I do marriage seminars uh, in America, uh, I will have half a dozen couples come up during the course of a day mm -hmm. and say to me, our marriage was ended. We just thought there was no hope for us. And someone gave us your book. We read it. It was like the lights came on. Mm. It really saved our marriage. And here we are five years later, 10 years later. Yeah, things are going great. But that was the turning point in our marriage. And that's where I find the greatest sense of satisfaction, knowing that this is helping real people learn how to connect emotionally with each other. And uh, that's what the book's all about. Well, you must have been hearing those stories for a very long time now, and it never gets old. It still fulfills you. Absolutely. Never gets old. The book's been out 26, 25, 26 years now. And I uh, continue to hear those stories over and over again. And it's always exciting, you know, and I meet people who who've never read the book, you know, and they say, oh, a friend of mine gave it to me. And mm -hmm. this happened in our marriage. So, yeah, that's very encouraging. I think it's because the book is really addressing the deep human need to feel loved by the significant people in your life. Mm -hmm. And it's helped. The married couples learn how to connect. It's helped parents learn how to connect with their children. And it's helped single adults know how to con connect with the significant people in their lives. It applies to all of us because we all need to feel loved. Mm. Fantastic. Absolutely. Thank you. And so you, you said in the book um, that was it 20 years of notes from your counseling time that you read back over? And it's through 15 years of notes, 15 years About of notes. 15. So I didn't mean to make yeah. you older than what you are. Sorry. <laughs> so 15 years of notes, you read back through that. And then you discovered that there was five very distinct languages, five universal ways of expressing and receiving love. What was that moment of realization like? You know, it was very significant because I knew that there was a pattern to what I was hearing mm -hmm. when couples would sit in my office and one of them would say, I feel like he doesn't love me or she doesn't love me. And the other person would say, I don't understand that. I do this and this and this. Why would you not feel loved? And I knew there had to be a pattern. And that's why I read through my notes of all those years asking myself this question. When someone sat in my office and said, I feel like my spouse doesn't love me. What did they want? What were they complaining about? Mm. And their answers in the five categories. And I later call them the five love languages. Mm -hmm. So I started using this concept in my counseling and uh, helping couples understand that what makes one person feel loved doesn't make another person feel loved. So if you want them to feel loved, you've got to learn how to express love in their love language. 
And then I would help couples discover their language. And sometimes they would come back, Dave, in three weeks wow. and say to me, Gary, this is everything. The whole climate's different now between the two of us. Mm. So, you know, that was uh, that was the beginning of the book many, many years ago now. And it's been thrilling to see how this book has helped so many people through the years. For sure. And were the five languages, did they stand out very distinctly? Did it take a while to narrow it down or um, was it quite obvious, the different categories? It was quite, it was quite obvious. The, these five kept repeating over and over again. And, you know, I was not dogmatic at that time to say, well, there's only five. Yeah, maybe there are others that were not in my research. But now that the book's been out these years, mm. no one has ever come up with what I think is an adequate six love language. Right. Now, one guy did tell me the six love language, he said, is chocolate. <laughs> I said, well, if they bought it, it's a gift. If they made it, it's an acts of service. <laughs> sure. I was going to ask you about that. And um, actually, while we're on it, because I'd love for you to give us a brief overview of the love languages in a second. But just while we're on the food one, I was going to ask you about this. You see, I did the test online test last night just to check which ones I am. Um, I knew that I was words of affirmation. That was correct. My second one I thought was time, but it's actually physical touch. Now, this makes it even more confusing for me because when my wife bakes me something nice, like the other day I was going interstate for some work, and just before I left, she made me something nice and, and gave me these little packages of food, and that connect with me, connected with me quite deeply. But I'm not gifts, yeah. and I'm not time that much. So how come oh, – is food a sixth is, is six one? You just said it may be chocolate's gifts, but well, – how does that fixing, work? Fixing, food, yeah. fixing a meal would be acts of service from my perspective because mm -hmm. it took work for her to do that. Put mm -hmm. those, the food together, give you little packs of food. It's an act of service. Mm -hmm. you know, it's a, and, and, you know, there's many dialects within each of the languages. Like there's different kind of words you can express. There's different kind of acts of service. And, and, and each of them has different kind of touches. Mm. So all of them have dialects. You know, in English, I, I speak a U.S. Southern dialect, okay? Which is quite different <laughs> to my very thick Aussie accent. <laughs> yeah, but, but we all have a language with a dialect. Mm. And the same thing is true of love. We have a primary love language, and it has certain dialects that really speak to us. Okay, sure. On that test, my service language was zero which isn't very helpful. My wife's is my wife's main love language is service. Um, uh -huh. But I wonder if it's also that I, okay. Do we start becoming more fluid in other love languages? So when I now, because I'm aware that my wife is service, when I see her do an act of service, am I able to interpret that now as love in my own way? I think you can. Uh, I think that's a secondary advantage of understanding this concept, mm -hmm. because if she speaks your primary love language, that really communicates to you. But now that you understand that her love language is acts of service, you see her do acts of service and you realize, oh, she's loving me. Like putting those food parcels together, mm. you realize she's loving me. And mm -hmm. so you appreciate it more now, you know, mm. of course, if you want her to feel love, then the best thing you can do is do things for her that you know she would like for you to do. And yes. so she feels love. But yeah, you do appreciate other expressions of love when you know that that is their love language. For sure. I think I might need some cooking classes. <laughs> that, <laughs> might, that might help. So just. Well, watching this. Washing dishes and vacuuming floors might be just as effective. <laughs> I've got those two tits, but uh, we'll keep moving. We'll 
try adding other ones as well. So we, we've mentioned a couple of love languages and I'd love for you to briefly describe the love languages and how we see them in our everyday. Yeah. Well, and there's no particular order to these, mm-hmm. but one is words of affirmation. Using words to affirm the other person. You look nice in that outfit. I really appreciate what you did. You know, one of the things I like about you is just using words to affirm the other person. Uh, There's an ancient Hebrew proverb that says life and death is in the power of the tongue. You can kill people or give them life by the way you talk to them. Mm. And so words of affirmation. You can speak the words. You can write the words. I guess you could sing the words. (laughs) But you're using words to communicate that they are valuable and you really care about them. Another love language is acts of service, doing something for the other person that you know they would like for you to do, such as cooking a meal, washing dishes, vacuuming floors, washing the car, mowing the grass, changing the baby's diaper. Ooh, big Mm, act of service. Yep. That took me a long time to get used to. (laughs) (laughs) So doing something to serve them. Uh, You know, there's an old saying that says actions speak louder than words. It's true for these people. Mm. Actions do speak louder than words. A third love language is quality time. Giving the person your undivided attention. I do not mean sitting watching television together. Someone else has your attention. The person on the TV. Mm. I'm talking about sitting with the TV off looking at each other, talking to each other. They have your undivided attention, quality time. You don't have to be sitting. You can be walking down the road, just talking with each other about life or going out to eat, assuming that you talk to each other while you're eating. (laughs) So quality time. And and then there's uh, gifts. It's universal to give gifts as an expression of love. My academic background before I studied counseling uh, was anthropology, the study of cultures. And we have never discovered a culture where gift giving is not an expression of love. It's universal to give gifts. The gift says they were thinking about me. Look what they got from me. So for some people, this is their love language. And then number five is physical touch. We've long known the emotional power of physical touch. That's why we pick up babies. We hold them and kiss them and cuddle them. Long before the baby understands the meaning of the word love, the baby feels love by physical touch. And so in a marriage, that would be such things as holding hands, kissing, embracing, the whole sexual part of marriage, arm around the shoulder, driving down the road, you can put your hand on their leg, just just touches. Uh, And so the basic concept is out of the five, each of us has a primary love language. And if you want them to feel loved, you have to learn to speak their love language, not your love language, but their love language. Mm. And if they learn to speak your love language, you both connect emotionally. And I, I like to picture inside every one of us, there's an emotional love tank. And when you speak the right love language, the love tank is full. But when you don't, the love tank gets empty and you get that feeling, I don't think they love me or I don't think I love them. You know, you kind of lose the emotional touch with each other. What this does is help you connect and stay connected emotionally with the other person. Thank you. Where does our love language begin? Is it from the way that we are nurtured when we're younger? 
is it nature or is it a bit of both? Are we born that way or is it because of our surroundings when we're younger? I wish I had an answer for that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Is it nature or is it nurture? I do know this. You can discover a child's love language, certainly by by the time they're four years old, sometimes by the time they're three, simply by observing their behavior. For example, my son's love language is physical touch. When he was three or four years old, when I came home in the afternoon, he would run to the door. He would grab my legs. He would climb up all over me. He's touching me because he wants to be touched. Mm. Our daughter never did that. She would say, Daddy, come to my room. I want to show you something. She wanted my undivided attention. She wanted quality time. So I know that the love language is there very early. I don't know if it's if we're born with it or if we learn it early, but I do know it, it evidences itself very early. That was my household last night. <laughs> when I got home, my four-year-old, like he, he wants the cuddles and he wants the rough play. Uh, and my uh-huh. seven-year-old, he needs the time. So he was, Daddy, look, look at my running writing now. I'm learning how to do running writing. Come and look at this. Or before I went away for the trip, he wanted to play out in the backyard. So while we're playing in the backyard with my oldest son, my youngest son, all he wanted to do was tackle me. <laughs> So, um, yeah, it was quite obvious, just the, the two different styles there, and trying to connect with both of them at the same time, which kind of worked. But um, you're right, you can see quite early on which love languages yeah. they are. And can it can it change over time? Uh, as I mentioned before, so with my wife, um, acts of service and, and the gifts for her, can we become more attuned to other love languages, other um forms of love language or is it more situational so when my wife does an act of of service i know that's her way of showing me love but if someone else did an act of service i might miss it because i'm not thinking about it in that moment yeah no i think you're right i think the love language our primary love language tends to stay with us throughout our lifetime just like many other personality traits you know for example there are little children who are very organized all their toys are in the right place there are other little children. That's not the truth. And when they get to be 30, it's still the same way. One is organized and one is not. So I think the, the primary love language tends to stay with us for a lifetime. But having said that, I think there are situations in life in which another love language might become more important. Sure. For example, if a, if a mother has two or three preschool children, acts of service may not be her love language. But I can tell you, during those years, if he pitches in and helps her with all the things that have to be done, she's going to feel loved by that. Mm. I think another factor is if we receive enough of our primary love language and our secondary love language is rather close to the first, then we may begin to think, I don't know. I think I think this one's my love language. But if they stop doing number one, you'll quickly know, oh, no, 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 that's still my number one. (laughs) (laughs) But I think the other factor that you mentioned is certainly true. You can come to appreciate a love language that's not your own when you realize, like your wife, for example, is speaking acts of service. And so you emotionally give her credit for that and you feel loved by that, whereas you wouldn't feel loved by another person doing that. But because you know that's her love language, you understand she's loving me by doing this. So, yeah, that, I think those are the factors. Thank you. So the way that we interpret it, 
but the way that we're open to receiving it from that person and interpreting. So mean again, identifying that, okay, I know my wife is service, so I interpret her acts of service as being love for me. Yeah. Thank you. So right. in right. terms of giving and receiving love, if for me, for example, if mine is words, which it is, do I give and receive equally in terms of words or would I, can we receive love in one language, but then give in another one? Does that make sense? So could yeah. I receive mostly in words, but then give more in touch? Yeah. I think that we tend to speak our own love language. That is what makes us feel loved is what we by nature do for other people. Mm-hmm. But for, for about 75% of the people, that's true. But for about 25%, they will speak one love language most predominantly, but want another love language. Sure. And I think, the, I think the reason for this is that perhaps as we were growing up, we were taught to speak that particular language. Like, for example, maybe a father says to a son, always get your mother gifts Always get your sister gifts. Always get your girlfriend mm. gifts. Gifts, give her gifts, give her gifts. So he he falls in love and he gives her gifts and he gets married and he gives her gifts. Not because he wants gifts, but because he was taught to speak that love language. So he 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 more naturally speaks the gift love language, but maybe what he really wants from others would be words of affirmation or one of the other love languages. Right, so it's, he gives gifts because it's a head knowledge, but yeah. the heart yeah. really wants to speak something else, wants to receive something else. Yeah, absolutely. But for most of us, the language we most often speak is the language we desire because in our mind, when we speak that language, we're loving people. And so we're communicating what we really want because mm. we want forgiving, and that's true for most of us. So... If we're trying to speak someone's love language, if, if we're trying to express love, value, importance to somebody else, but it just doesn't seem to be working, could that be because maybe we have their love language wrong? I think so. Uh, in fact, I often find couples who say to me, when we took the quiz that you mentioned earlier, the online quiz, mm-hmm. when we took the quiz, we were surprised to find out that our spouse had this language. That We didn't think that at all. You know, it was just a surprise for us. And sometimes the person says, it was kind of a surprise to me. I, I didn't realize that was my language, but when I reflect on it, that is what makes me feel loved. So, uh, you know, I, I think we, we get in a relationship, whether it's marriage or parent-child or just good friends, we get into a relationship and we typically express love to them in a way that w- would be meaningful to us. And yet we may not feel real loved in the situation and just understanding the love language concept, it just, it's kind of, it is kind of like the lights come on and we realize, oh yeah, it would be much better if we learn to speak the other person's love language. Mm. That's what makes the difference. Okay. Thank you. So, um, can, can it kind of be situational sometimes, um, in terms of, when we are at, with our spouses, with loved ones, um, in relationships, when, when we are at work, when we are with friends and family, can it be situational? I know that you have the, the book for love languages for singles. 
Um, did mm-hmm. you have one as well for the workplace? I, I listened to you on the podcast the other day about uh, love language in the workplace as well. So I'd imagine it is quite situational and, and we act out love languages in different ways in different areas. Would that be true? It is true. Uh, the one in the workplace is called the five languages of appreciation in the okay. workplace. But, but we're essentially taking the love languages to work. We're just using the word appreciation because in work relationships, we, it's very different from a family relationship. But we do want to feel appreciated. It's the same emotion as love. It's the, it's the feeling that people around here care about me, not just what I'm doing at the job, but they care about me as a person. And so we found that, uh, yeah, there is a difference between your primary love language and a marriage relationship, for example, and the language of appreciation in the workplace may be something very different. Uh, <clears throat> there's about a 40% correlation. That is, about 40% of the people will have the same language in a work that they have at home, really? but the other 60% have a different language at work than they would yeah. at home. So it's important, I think, in every relationship to find out what makes the other person feel loved or appreciated so that if you want to express appreciation, for example, at work, you know basically how to do it so that they will feel appreciated. I didn't realize that. I would have assumed that if I'm words, I'm words everywhere. But maybe, again, with my team in my workplace, maybe I do receive love, value, and importance, appreciation in other areas. That's really important to know. Thank you. Um, And I like what you're saying, too, in the book about the three different ways you can work out which love language you are. Obviously, there's the test as well, but there's three other ways. And um, also how you can figure out what your partner or friends and family are as well. I'm really connected with the one about whatever they complain about, you not doing the most. (laughs) That's a pretty good indication (laughs) as to what their love language is. Um, So I'd like you to please talk about yeah, please tell us about those three different ways you can work it out. Yeah, one of them is to observe your own behavior mm-hmm. or observe their behavior. If you're always giving people encouraging words, then that's probably your love language. If you're always patting people on the back or giving them high fives, probably physical touch is your language. So observe your own behavior and obviously observe the other person's behavior. If they are always giving people words of affirmation, you can pretty well assume that's their love language. And then secondly, you ask, what do I complain about most often? Mm. What do they complain most often? The complaint reveals the love language. For example, if a wife is saying to a husband, we just don't spend any time together anymore. I just feel like we're ships passing in the night. She's complaining about not having quality time with him. Or if he goes on a business trip and comes home and she says, you didn't bring me anything. Mm. (laughs) She's complaining. He didn't give her a gift. Wasn't he thinking about her when he was away? (laughs) Mm. So complaint reveals the love language. Your complaint reveals your love language. Their complaint reveals their love language. And then thirdly, what do they request of you most often? If they are most often saying, honey, can we take a walk after dinner tonight? They're asking you for quality time. Or if you get ready to go on a business trip and they say, be sure and bring me a surprise. They're asking you for a gift. Yeah, yeah. So what do they request? If you put those three together, uh, pretty, you can pretty well figure out your own love language and another person's love language. 
Excellent. Thank you. I love how you use the example then of two guys patting each other on the back because that's the exact example that I give when I'm talking to a group of students. And I especially love doing it when there's a group of older guys in the room. So, you know, like the, the 15, 16, 17 year old boys in the room. And I do give that exact example when, you know, if, when the boys give another boy a pat on the back, what they're actually saying is, mate, I love you. And I love watching the boys squirm after that. <laughs> uh, just, but it's so true. It is uh, um, to help them get a deep understanding about that realization that we're not just giving each other a pat on the back. Those extended, long, tricky handshakes, it's not just a handshake. It's, it is that expression of value, um, that expression of yeah. importance of, of that love as well. Is there anything I haven't asked you yet that you think would be really important for our listeners to know? Well, I think you pretty well covered it. Uh, it does apply in all human relationships. My original book was for married couples. My second book was for parents of children, the five love languages of children. And my third book was the five love languages of teenagers. Because parents would say to me, you know, I tried your love language with my children. It really worked. But now they're teenagers and it doesn't seem to be working. Right. Yeah. Does, does love language change? And I say, I don't think their love language changes, but you have to use different dialects of the love languages because what you've been doing, they consider childish mm, mm, and you have mm. to use more. Like maybe you've been hugging them and say, honey, I love you so much. Yeah. And now they're teenagers and you hug them and they push you away. Don't do that to me. If, if physical touch is their language, they still need touch. It needs to be different kinds of touches. You know, maybe hit them on the shoulder, trip them, wrestle them, you know, yeah, yeah. different kinds of touches. Uh, so I deal with all in that book with the changes that teenagers are going through and how to speak love language during the teenage years. Uh, so, you know, it does apply, and you mentioned the book for singles. It does apply in all human relationships because we all need to feel loved by the significant people in our lives. And when we feel loved, the deep emotional need is met. And then we can invest our lives in helping people, doing things that are positive and constructive with our lives. But if you don't feel loved, a lot of the misbehavior in life grows out of an empty love tank. Mm. When you don't feel loved by the significant people in your life, you tend to lash out at other people and do things that are destructive to them mm. and ultimately to yourself. So learning how to speak the love language and meet the emotional need uh, in people's lives is one of the most significant things you can do for that person. Absolutely. Thank you. And just with that point, just before my final two questions, just with that point, I really liked what you were saying in the book too about don't ask straight up for your partner, friends, family, loved ones to start showing you more of your love language first. Don't do that first. I like what you're saying about give it a week, give it two weeks, give it three weeks, give it a month, but just work on their love language. Show them acts of service or gifts, whatever their love language is. Just give them lots of love to fill up their love tank without even asking for anything yourself and then see how that goes. And then um, I like the examples you were giving in the book about how it really surprises them that, um, and then they start asking, well, what can I do for you then? So uh, instead of asking, I need more of this, to give first, to give love first, yeah. and then see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, you know, love stimulates love. For example, the scriptures say, we love God because God first loved us. Mm. That same principle is true in human relationships. So maybe you don't feel loved by the other person. Well, you initiate 
You start it. You become the lover. You speak their love language and love stimulates love. So I believe even a poor marriage can be reborn when one person decides I'm going to be a lover. I'm going to learn their language. I'm going to speak their language. I'm going to see what happens. And because they desperately need love and you're now giving it in a language that's meaningful to them, your love stimulates their love. And so love stimulates love. Mm, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. So for the final two questions, um, I love uh, being the Do Life Better podcast. I love asking all of our guests what their definition, what their understanding in their own life is of, for the idea of do life better. And because all of our guests come from different um, expertise, different areas. So Gary, for you, the idea of doing life better, what does that mean yeah. to you? To me, it means that we accept the attitude that I'm here to enrich the lives of every person whom I encounter. If I have that mindset, then I'm going to be using energy and time to learn how to communicate love and help mm -hmm. other people. You know, Jesus said about himself, I did not come to be served. I came to serve. And when we learn that concept, we're not here to be served. We're here to serve. Mm -hmm. Then we're going to reach the highest potential we have in life, enriching and impacting the lives of other people in a positive way. And that brings the greatest satisfaction, I think, to any of us. Thank you. Thank you. And just before our final question, we will have links to your website in our show notes. Um, would that be the best place for people to get in contact with you, just through your website? Yeah, just uh, fivelovelanguages.com. And I would really encourage your listeners uh, to go on that website, take the free quiz that will help you determine what your own love language is and ask the people around you, your spouse and others, ask them to take the quiz mm. so, it, so that you can discuss this concept with each other. And I think you'll find it'll be the beginning of a different level of in, uh, communicating with each other emotionally. Oh, absolutely. And again, for me, for the last 10 years, I thought my second love language was uh, time until I took the test last night and I realized it's actually physical touch. And even just um, having the five love languages in my mind a lot lately, um, leading up to this interview with you today, this chat with you today, uh, I have been even more aware of the um, attempts to give love or people reaching out in love of people around me as well. So my wife, my friends, other family also. So having it front of mind is really helpful. And um, so, Gary, the final question, as you know, we like to give our listeners a challenge for the week, something that they can do during the week um, to do their life even better. So in terms of the five love languages, what would be your challenge for this week? First of all, discover your own love language and discover the love language of the people that are in your circle, whether it's your spouse or your child or a good friend, discover somebody else's love language and your own, and then choose to speak it. You know, I say the love, I give you in the love language is information on how to communicate love. I can't give you motivation. Mm. You know, if, if you want to reach your greatest potential in life, you choose to love and then you take the information I'm giving you and you do it. So first of all, learn your own love language, learn the love language of the significant people in your life and then speak it on a regular basis. At least set a goal. I'm going to speak their love language at least once every week. That's a, that's a minimal goal. 
once every week, I'm going to speak their love language. You get started doing once a week and you'll learn how to speak it on a regular basis. Absolutely. Thank you. And um, as I've been saying, just being more aware of love language around uh, has really significantly helped me as well. So thank you for that. And um, being a words person, I would like to thank you, Gary, for your time today and and for your incredible work that you are doing. Uh, it has had a big impact on me. Uh, a lot of friends and family have been saying that it's meant a lot to them as well. They love your book. And um, just the other day, I was in Victoria in Australia and I was talking to one of the boys after a session and he said that he now sees his brother. And I hear the story many times. He now sees his brother in a whole different way. You know, his brother was just wanting his time and that really annoyed him. But now he sees that his brother actually just wants his love. His brother just wants yeah. his presence. So he's going to go home now with a whole new lease of a whole new idea of the, his relationship with his brother. And he's able to now yep. feel his own brother's love tank as well. So, you know, thank you for the work you've been doing with the millions of people who read your book and listen to your audio book, um, and even you know just allowing me to thank you, allowing me to use the five love language and to talk about that and the students that I work with, and just you know seeing that ripple effect. So, you know, you might have sold what twelve million books, but I, I'm sure you've influenced many, many, many more people than that. So, Gary, thank you very much for your work. Thank you. Well, thank you, Dave, and I enjoyed speaking with you. You're doing a good job. You're doing a good work. Keep it up. People need this kind of thing. So talking to the young people as well as the adults. And uh, may God bless you and all that you're doing. Thank you very much, Gary. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So there we have it, everyone. I hope this chat with Dr. Gary Chapman today was inspiring, uh, helpful. hope it did answer all of your questions about expressing and receiving love from people in your life. And please do remember his challenge for this week, which is discover your own love language and discover the love language of the significant people in your life and choose to speak it. That's right. Remember, you get to make the choice to speak the love languages of those in your life. Uh, as we mentioned during our chat, on the Five Love Languages website, there is a free quiz that you can take, which will let you know your love language and invite your spouse, your loved ones, your friends, your family, whoever in your life to do it as well so that you can better understand them and how you can um, communicate their love languages as with the challenge for this week. So thank you very much for joining me. If you haven't yet already, please do head over and leave a review. Um, as you know, my love language is words. So your words make a big difference for me when you leave a review or rating, when you let me know what these podcasts are meaning for you, that really helps me deliver more and more and more of what you want from this podcast. So please do leave a rating and a review. Share it out. Remember to screenshot you listening to this. Put it out on Instagram and Facebook at Dave Jorner, D-A-V-E-J-O-R-N-A or at Do Life Better Podcast. Um, I'd love to, to see what you're up to when you're listening to these episodes. So again, thank you very much and I can't wait to join you again next time. Thanks again for listening to the Do Life Better Podcast. You can find all our show notes at www.projecthatch.com.au forward slash do life better. If you'd like to book Dave Jonah to speak at your event, company or school, you can contact him at hello at projecthatch.com.au. You can contact us on Facebook at Project Hatch and on Instagram at project underscore hatch. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast and share it with someone you think would benefit from these messages. And now it's time to get out there 
and do life better.